Welcome to Member Maker, a podcast about how to build a sustainable membership business. I'm your host, Ward Sandler, the co-founder of MemberSpace. This podcast is brought to you by MemberSpace, which turns any part of your existing website into members only with just a few clicks. It's available for Squarespace, WordPress, Webflow, Wix, Duda, Weebly, and custom HTML sites. Learn more at memberspace.com. Hey, Kara, welcome to Member Maker. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure thing. So what is your business and who are you helping? Yeah, so I have a membership called Pin Power Method, and I help online entrepreneurs use Pinterest to market their business and fill up those sales and leads funnels. Interesting. Yeah, I've heard different approaches to Pinterest and some mixed results. I think a lot of people are a little confused maybe about how to use Pinterest. I don't know if you'd agree with that. It's it's not yes. sort of thought of, I think, the same way as like Facebook and Twitter. And one person codified it as it's it's more of a search engine than a social media platform. Do you kind of agree with that characterization? Yeah, absolutely. So you're right on the nose with people are confused sometimes about Pinterest. And you're right, at its core, it is a visual search engine. It has way more in common with YouTube and Google than it does with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Right. Okay. So that's a very specific niche, which is always great. We always recommend that to people. How did you actually find that or or come into it? Yeah. So when I first started my business, I just had my five-year anniversary actually last week. I was doing all digital marketing. So I was building websites, email marketing, all social media, like anything that would fall under that digital marketing umbrella. And I was an agency-based model. So I had one-to-one clients. And as I moved through my business and figured out what I liked doing for clients, what I didn't like doing, and assessing what was working, both for myself and for my clients, Pinterest was something that every single month was a top traffic driver to my website and my clients' websites. So it really was kind of a process that evolved over a few years. And I made the decision to niche into Pinterest marketing specifically a couple years ago because it was what I enjoyed doing for my clients. It was scalable and the results spoke for themselves. So there were no more conversations about, you know, Instagram, you know, how much money should they spend or how much time for that brand awareness factor that nobody can really quantify. And so Pinterest was able to give me hard numbers that I could discuss with my clients and the results spoke for themselves. So when you say it gave you hard numbers, how are the numbers different than what you could get from Twitter or Facebook or Instagram? It's much easier to see the direct customer journey from Pinterest. And some of this depends on setting up Google Analytics correctly and kind of knowing your way around how to pull these numbers and how to make sense of those customer journeys. But with Instagram, it's much harder to know if somebody saw your post, if they click through your website. I mean, you can track some of these things, but people tend to ping pong around when it comes to social media marketing. So they might, you know, see five or six posts and go read your blog and, you know, do all of these other things in their customer journey that are much more difficult to capture than somebody clicking on your pin, going to your website and signing up for your lead magnet that gets them into your nurturing sequence. 
Gotcha. And when you said you were doing this digital marketing, so it sounds like you had a, a somewhat of a decent client base built up, but you focused on Pinterest because you were getting traffic to some of the content you were creating. Was that things like blog posts or videos? Yeah, they were um, both of those blog posts and videos, anything that lives on somebody's website. So the whole point of Pinterest is to drive traffic to your website. So it is not a platform where they reward people for staying on the platform like Instagram, Facebook, even LinkedIn. They want you to stay on their platforms. And of course, to some extent, Pinterest does as well. But the content on Pinterest is linked directly to your website and they reward creators for producing quality content that people want to click through to. So they're getting on your website instead of staying on Pinterest. So when I did digital marketing, it wasn't really that I was focusing on Pinterest, at least not to start. It was that I was paying attention to the analytics and the numbers at that high strategy level. And Pinterest just kept coming up consistently as something that was making a difference in business for my clients. Yeah, no, it sounds like that was really smart to look at the numbers. I mean, it sounds like obviously, yeah, pay attention if if certain people are putting more interest in a certain topic that you're going over, but to actually do something about it and to double down on it like you did, that's smart and not, not everybody leans into it. So moving on though, in terms of pricing for the pin power method, how does that work? Yeah. So at this point, I have a single membership tier that's $49 a month, and it did not start that way. I have been through every iteration of how do I do this in creating a membership site and what I have settled on as far as listening to my members and what they need and finding that sweet spot. I have the one membership tier for $49 a month. Cool. So let's dig into that. So $49 a month, is there also an annual option or is it literally only $49 a month? There is an annual option and I do the typical two months free. So if you pay up front for a year, it's $4.90 and you get those two extra months. Gotcha. So walk me through the evolution of the pricing. What did you start with when you first launched? Yes. Oh my goodness. I wish, you know, hindsight and I wish I had done things differently. When I first started, I created a free tier, then a basic tier, then a VIP tier. It was not simple. I'm not sure why I started that way, but it made sense at the time. And so I went with it. My free tier was basically my resource library. So it was all of my freebies and lead magnets and all of that stuff. The basic tier was $30 a month, and you had access to simply the training and the modules, not really a lot of handholding or support. It was more self-study. And then the VIP tier was $97 a month, and that came with um, small group mastermind calls, a whole lot of handholding, basically. So what I discovered very quickly was I was getting a ton of free members, but I had so much in my resource library that people weren't signing up because they were working their way through my resource library. I offered too much for free. So I disabled that, kind of moved on from that, simplified it to my one free lead magnet, which is the Pin Power Roadmap. That's a free PDF. And focused everything on that one simple funnel. And then after a year of basic and VIP was I realized I wasn't 
showing up for the basic members because they had really more of a self-study program. And the VIP tier, it wasn't enough for people to want to spend $97 a month. So essentially what I settled on is combining the two. And this was also realizing that my favorite way to show up is teaching. When we talk about the whole zone of genius conversation, I can't remember the author's name. He wrote The Big Leap and he talks about zone of genius. I'm very clear that mine is teaching and I love doing it and I love teaching my people real time on Zoom or be live via Facebook, whatever it is. And so what I was able to do was combine those two into just the one tier that kind of met in the middle price-wise. And now I'm doing live trainings with Q&A instead of the VIPs basically got personal one-to-one advice and training and hot seats every month. So it was much more of that really all up in their business module. And so I've kind of settled in the middle with all of it and it seems to be going really well. Yeah. So I would assume that the, the churn, the number of cancellations has gone down a lot since you've simplified to the 49 a month. It has, absolutely. And the other key thing that I did, speaking of churn, was I started noticing that people were coming in and some of them would come for a month and then they would cancel. And so, of course, as someone who always goes to the data first, you know, I have a new member questionnaire. Where did you come from? You know, all of that stuff. And I started digging into why are these particular people canceling after a month? And it turned out they were finding me from YouTube because of a really great Shopify, which is an e-commerce platform series that I was talking about how to use Pinterest with Shopify. And they were people that were trying to open up their dropship Shopify stores and thought they were going to make millions in a month. Very much the get rich quick set of online entrepreneurs. And so that actually led me to redo some elements on my sales page and verbiage and all of that kind of stuff, because obviously those aren't people that I want in my membership. So the combination of really listening to my members and what they needed, and then digging into why people were churning and where they were coming from and how I could do things differently really made a difference. Yeah. And I think the way I'm thinking about the journey you just described is you started with what a lot of people would consider maybe like a typical or a standard sort of a model where you have a free plan, a low cost plan, then a premium plan, right? Right. But in the things you offer there vary. Obviously, there's more things you're offering at the top, but that doesn't mean that that's the right model to use for your customers and your business. And I think a lot of people get stuck trying to follow a blog post or a strategy or whatever that says, oh, this is how I did it and it worked really well. And then they just assume that means, oh, I should do that too. Whereas what you did, which was very clever and smart, was you analyzed what's working, what's not working. What do your people actually want? And I think almost most importantly, what do you like doing? So doing the in-person teaching, if you like doing that, then you should create a business around doing that, which it sounds like you did. I don't think everybody is always able to pivot like that to kind of realize and be aware of the things that they want to do and what their customers are actually telling them. Yeah. And it was definitely not an overnight thing. I mean, I had my membership a year with those. I I shut down the free membership pretty quickly because I started realizing I was just getting a bunch of tire kickers that were never going to sign up. And while yes, you do want to fill your funnels and there's always going to be a percentage that converts, it was not the right fit for me. And then realizing with the two remaining tiers that I felt spread too thin. 
I wasn't getting to do what I wanted to do for the most people. And I just wasn't able to show up in the way that I wanted to. So thank you. I appreciate that. It, it's definitely one of those, you've got to start somewhere and you've got to make the decision and, and make the leap, but then don't be afraid to like dig in and analyze, like you said, and, and pivot to what you need to do. Yeah. I think a lot of people get stuck thinking whatever pricing they choose is what the pricing is going to be forever. And it really, you should think of it as a rough draft, especially if it's your first time launching something. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. So you were doing the the general marketing consulting, and then you shifted to focusing on Pinterest. Yes. Did you have that large of an audience that you could just shift to Pinterest and that paid the bills? Or how did you actually build up that specific niche of the audience? Every pivot that I've had in my business has definitely been a one step back, two steps forward. So the summer that I made the decision to niche only into Pinterest, I definitely took an income hit for about three months before it regained and I built up my niche and my expertise. You know, this also involved writing new blogs and shifting everything on my website. I think the best compliment I got was when I talked to somebody I had just met and they thought I had always done Pinterest. They didn't realize that I used to do everything digital marketing before. So it was a process to shift everything, to make up that income, to, you know, hang out my shingle and say, just Pinterest. I think as entrepreneurs, we all have that fear at some point in our business of turning away customers. You just kind of want to do anything that will help you pay the bills. But I was very clear by that point what kind of clients I liked and didn't like and what I like doing for clients and not doing. I don't ever want to post an Instagram post for a client again from my couch on Sunday night. Like, I don't ever want to do that again. So uh, being able to dig into Pinterest and do that for clients is definitely something that's worked better for me. So, but to answer your question, it, it wasn't a smooth, seamless, it was, you know, take one step back knowing that I was working towards a better shift in my business. Right. So specifically though, in terms of how you built the audience, was it blog posts that you started to write towards Pinterest? What, what was the main driver of people actually joining your email list or signing up for for your lead magnets and your courses? Yeah, absolutely. Blogging, for sure. So I am a writer. I love writing. Blogging has always been my venue for my expertise and my website. In fact, I just started kind of, I call it a reverse podcast. I'm not doing a podcast like you do where you interview people. I'm recording audio for my blogs and I publish them because it's another way to get SEO and traffic and all of that. But blogging has always been my thing. It's how I prefer to create content. So yes, to make that switch and start filling up funnels, it was the you know brain dump, brainstorming session of what can I talk about on Pinterest? How can I create a, a lead magnet? The roadmap came out of that pretty quickly, although I have a few other things out there. And it was all about giving it time to let the SEO work and the marketing work as far as where I was putting that content. You know, one of the reasons I love Pinterest so much is that the content is evergreen. So it's kind of a catch-22 because one of the top traffic drivers for my site every single month is a blog that I wrote in 2015 that I put up on Pinterest. And it's incredible. It's every single day I'm getting traffic from that blog post. 
Now, the blog post is about social media. It's not about Pinterest specifically. So it's like, you know, this viral post that happened that's not even specifically for what I do anymore. But just the being consistent with, okay, I have a new blog. I'm going to put up five to 10 pins on Pinterest. I am going to record audio for it. I'm going to put something on YouTube, you know, knowing where you get that traffic from. Instagram is all fine and good, but it doesn't actually drive traffic to my website. So I focus on the platforms that I know do drive that traffic, which for me are Pinterest, YouTube, and my Facebook group. So when you're doing the blogging and the SEO strategy, which you said worked the best, how did you actually know what keywords to target? I do two things. So I use Google Keywords Planner, but I also use Pinterest because Pinterest functions on keywords. So when I take on a new client, if I take on a one-to-one client, they oftentimes will say, well, here's our spreadsheet with our Google keywords. And I say, thank you. That's a really great place to start, but we're still going to have to do all this research on Pinterest because it will overlap, but the way people are searching on Pinterest is going to be different than Google. So Pinterest is a search engine and the algorithm functions on keywords. So I just go to Pinterest. It's great. And I love it. (laughs) So what have you done over the course of the Pinterest side of the business that hasn't really worked? Are there any experiments you've tried or anything like that? Yeah. So Pin Power Method actually started as a course. And I built it all up. I did all the content. I put it out there. And what I realized was the content was outdated in like six weeks. And so then it was, okay, if I look at my time, how much I charge per hour, you know, all of this, the amount of time that I'm going to spend updating a course that somebody has paid me once for doesn't really make sense. So that is, I mean, it's very simple. That's why I decided to shift it to a membership instead of a one-time course, because now I get recurring revenue for staying up to date and updating my members and my audience on best practices. Yeah, I'm seeing a real theme with you in terms of trying something, seeing what's not working or what is working, and then shifting it and not being afraid to shift it. Yeah, I don't know if you know anything about my background at all, but I'm actually a former special agent. So I was a criminal investigator for 10 years, and I am very like just the facts, ma'am. Let's look at the data. Let's look at what we can extrapolate out of that information and make the best decisions we can as entrepreneurs with that without getting emotional about it. The emotions can come later after the data. I love it. That's a great way to think of it. I didn't know that about your background. That definitely adds a whole other layer to this. (laughs) So let's kind of close here with what resource recommendations you would have for folks who are trying to build a membership business outside of your own. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that you just recently interviewed Mike Morrison of the membership guys. He and Callie are amazing. The amount of content they put out there. I mean, if you have any questions about anything, things you haven't even thought of, the membership guys is a fantastic membership about memberships. As he likes to say, it's very meta. And that's really where I got a lot of my ideas and how to shift I've posed questions to the group about like, hey, I'm thinking about this. Does anybody have experience with that? And then I would say, you know, back to this whole, I 
you know, made decisions about how I wanted to shift my membership based on what I liked doing. So if you're not sure what you like doing, the book, The Big Leap is fantastic to kind of pick your brain about what gives you the most joy in your business and getting back to why did you start your business in the first place? Excellent. So what's the best way for people to learn more about you and your business, Kara? Yeah, you can just go to my website, karachase.com, and it's C-A-R-A-C-H-A-C-E. And if you want that free roadmap, just go to karachase.com slash learn. Great. Thanks for spending time with us. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. There's a direct link in the show notes. We really appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by MemberSpace, which turns any part of your existing website into members only with just a few clicks. It's available for Squarespace, WordPress, Webflow, Wix, Duda, Weebly, and custom HTML sites. Learn more at memberspace.com.